0: all right guys it's joe aka the curvy geeky fangirl and i am back at it again for curvy geeky fangirl recaps or cgf recaps as i keep trying to hashtag it will become a thing eventually so that being said you can find me on instagram twitter and my website curvygeekyfangirl.com i put up a lot of geeky fandom fashions it's just the thing i love to do so if you are looking for any kind of inspiration using everyday clothes on how to channel your inner magician or lightning character or basically any of the shows i talk about it's all posted up there curvygeekyfangirl.com Check it out. Let me know what you think. You can also find this podcast on Anchor, the Anchor app itself, Uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, and Pocket Casts. And also now Stitcher because I figured out how to get it uploaded. Doing big things. Big things are happening. So uh, as you know, I do this weekly podcast to recap the TV shows slash films Slash books slash whatever else I've come across throughout the week and this week I'll be covering legends of tomorrow black lightning the magicians and the Santa Clarita diet So I'm gonna get into that and talk about the biggest takeaways from each of those shows. I go straight into spoilers Always spoilers. Do not scare me. I ain't afraid of no spoilers so that being said if you haven't seen any of these shows that I'm talking about please pause the recording here Check out those shows, come back, hit your girl up with the hashtag CGF recap so we can see what's going on. I am sometimes on Twitter. It's terrible, but but I'm getting better at it. It's going to be a work in progress for everybody, but I would love to have a conversation about these shows that we're talking about back and forth. So check it out. Let me know. Like I said, it's going to be a spoiler-filled zone from here on out. So we'll get started with the Legends of Tomorrow episode that came out this last week. All right, guys, starting right off with Legends of Tomorrow. The biggest takeaways I got from this show was that uh, Mick is a totem bearer. Wh- what? I love it. I love it that he is a totem bearer. Fire has been his thing from day one. And I liked how they tied it into this fire totem. Honestly, I wasn't sure if they were going to do anything with Mick. The feeling I got with this later half of the season so far was that Mick was kind of getting lost in the shuffle. So I don't know if that was on purpose so that we could have this awesome reveal of him being a fire totem bearer or what. But the payoff was fantastic. So uh, Amaya figures out that um, they need somebody to wield this totem in order to get the Mollus Sarah abomination that's attacking everyone. Get her to chill a little bit, you know, try to save Sarah. Uh, J- Ray had been trying to fix it and trying to get it back in order. And Sarah Mollis figured it out and kind of broke Ray. And then, uh, yeah, they went out from there. So it was a whole back and forth between Amaya and Mick trying to figure out who's going to wield this thing. We need it to work. And and Mick having his second doubts because he's like, I am no saint. There's no way it's going to work with me we saw what it did to that pirate chick and she turned into like a crazy earthy botanist psycho so but everything worked out not only did everything work out he knew how to wield this thing nearly immediately fantastic fantastic just all around yay i'm glad he figured it out i'm glad he was the one to kind of knock sarah mollusk back and uh we got all our lovely scenes back with that Constantine is also back. Love Constantine. I actually liked Constantine, the show, the series. I could see why it didn't pick up the way they wanted to. A, it was on the wrong network, honestly. They put it on a totally different network that doesn't really deal with supernatural shows in the first place and just randomly put Constantine in there. Come on, NBC. Uh also, Constantine is very comic book. And, uh, definitely the Legends of Tomorrow version that we're getting of him. But the guy who plays him just plays him so flawlessly. It's it's wonderful to watch i love this back and forth with agent sharp i love uh that he ended up joining the uh gaming circle with that other agent and i just, i want to say it was dungeons and dragons did they say dungeons and dragons i want to say they said dungeons and dragons was the game that he was playing so i'm glad they tied all of that in i'm even more excited that he is going to be a series regular for season four so we still don't know if season four is going to be a thing or not but if it does pick up He's gonna be a series regular, and I'm super excited. I hope that means more hexes. I'm down for more demons. I'm down for crazier demons to come through Poltergeist. You know, all things kind of dark. That's just 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 round his alley in the first place. Plus, if he's in Legends of Tomorrow, that increases his chances of crossing over everywhere else. He already did it with the Arrowverse. Here's hoping he, or with Arrow itself. Let's, here's hoping he gets to jump in uh, to the Flash and shake things up with them i'd love to see him and cisco go back and forth it'd be hysterical uh i also would love to see him in any of the other shows if he met up with supergirl wonderful If they somehow figured out how to put him into black lightning i'm still i'd be down i'd be down for all of that so here's hoping season four picks up and we get our regular dose of constantine as well uh i also wanted to know Who's going to wield the earth and death totems? They heavily hinted that it could be Sarah, but I don't know if that's going to be a MacGuffin or what. Like they're trying to show like how much she has tied to this totem and then totally give it to somebody else like Constantine or even Nora. They could flip Nora and have her be the bearer for that. So who knows? And, And this earth totem. Greedy Nate tried to get the earth totem. And make it a thing. You already got a superpower, man. Accidentally, you already got one. Why are you trying to be greedy and get even more stuff? Like, just I'm glad it didn't work. Honestly, I'm a little glad he got his butt beat. I don't know. There's just something about Nate. I'm really, I'm really trying to like him. He's a fellow geek. He's into the camp. He's got pop culture references for days. But there's just something about it that just probably more likely that Elvis episode that just ruined it for me. Just sit down somewhere I need to I need to figure things out between you and me Nate just for the moment so I need a little Nate break uh what else happened so the finale the finale is happening pretty soon it's coming out April 9th for some reason they're bringing in Jonah Hex Jax might be making an appearance so here's hoping for that and we might even get like a little bit more Bebo as well it's called the good the bad and the cuddly That definitely leans on it being Bebo, a part of it in some way, shape or form. I'm not sure why we needed to go back to the old west. If we, unless it was just to bring Jonah Hex back. The Jonah Hex incarnation that we got with Legend of Tomorrow was leaps and bounds better than the film. No shade of Josh Brolin. I'm sure he was trying to do the best that he had with what he was working with. For me, Jonah Hex is a problematic character in the first place. I understand his story is intriguing he is a Confederate soldier from the eighteen hundreds and like crazy shit goes down and he gets cursed somehow and he ends up having to fight stuff and whatnot and blah 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 blah. Comic book, history, pretty normal. I I don't I just feel a way about cheering on a Confederate soldier. I'm sure he might have changed his mind somewhere in there. Maybe. Maybe he didn't and he's just dealing with the curse. I don't know. I also don't really care to know. So there's that too. And uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this. The Jonah Hex episodes haven't been terrible. They haven't been crazy bad. But they also haven't been super memorable. So other than it being in the West, like the Wild West. So I don't, whatever, whatever, Legends, I hope you figure it out. I hope you get your season four so we need Constantine. And that's all I care about. So that's that's a pretty quick wrap-up for Legends of Tomorrow. Not too much really happened. We didn't really get a whole lot of story forward movement. We got a little bit more about the characters. A lot more with Sarah and Agent Sharp breaking up because, uh, terrible. Because Sarah and her issues. But um, I'm pretty sure all that's going to get resolved. It will be interesting to see how this works with the finale. The next episode is going to have a gazillion Agent Sharps, like an army of them for some reason. So... That's a thing. But yeah, that was pretty much it. It was just Campy goodness again. We got some cheesy goodness. Mick got some specials. Hooray. And Constantine, that's it. All right, so right after this, we're going to be moving on to Black Lightning, where I have a lot more to say right after this. All right, so we are moving right into Black Lightning. As always, Black Lightning does not fail to disappoint me. I fully enjoy watching these episodes. They just touch on so many things of relevancy for me. And, you know, they bring the camp, which I'm always a fan of. Is it overcrowded? Yeah. Yeah, they are. But I also give it the benefit of the doubt because it is a shortened season. It's a mid-season show. So they are trying to put in quite a bit of information for us to get them through the rest of the season so that, he, so that they can get to the next season. So I'm giving it that that benefit of the doubt for right now. Uh, this pre- episode in particular, we got a lot of goodness. So one of my biggest takeaways was that Family Lightning is still going strong. We still have Anissa and Jefferson teamed up. We now have Jennifer with full knowledge that she's got her powers and who they came from and what's going on with her. More on Jennifer in a minute. But uh, with uh, Anissa and Jefferson... I love that Anissa got her super suit. She got her official Thunder super suit, and it looks great. It does. It looks amazing. I like that he added this uh, intricate uh, embroidery, as it were, of lightning uh, down it. I guess supposed to. Just, it's thicker than like lightning's bolts, or Jefferson Pierce's costumes bolts, which you know makes it stand out a little bit. But I also was loving uh, the dual pony twists that she was rocking. As well for this. The masks are still a joke, and they they literally just cover their eyes. But that is a consistent thing across a lot of the DC TV universe right now. So, I mean, hell, Supergirl just wears glasses as her cover. So, maybe it's not that far of a stretch. So, outside of that, though, we also got a lot of father-daughter quality time between Anissa and Jefferson. They shake down that dirty lawyer by wearing Michelle Obama and Barack Obama masks. Hilarious. We also got them up finally putting a stop to the lab that was making green light everywhere. They are now fully on the ASA radar, like both of them. Holy! But they did put a stop to the lab, so that was something that was good. Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for the father-daughter team up. Most of the episode was based around Jennifer. And her all her issues. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, so let's go right into Jennifer. So Jennifer has her powers, and she seems to have the exact opposite reaction to them that Anissa does. Anissa was like, wait a second, and then just like fully embraced them, was trying to figure out how they worked, and she was trying to utilize them effectively to help her fellow man. And Jennifer's like of emotions, and why do I have these? And everybody lied to me, and just very dramatic. And I guess I'm supposed to play into like her being a teenager, and having to deal with a bunch of emotions and whatnot. But I mean, it just it just seemed to go on for a long, longer than it needed to. With the Jennifer thing, I don't know if they were doing that to show the hypocrisy of uh, what was happening between her and Jefferson, and what was happening with Jefferson and Gamby Gambi, uh you know, in the previous episodes, finally confessed to Jefferson that uh, he'd been lying to him the whole time. Or rather, keeping the truth from him this whole time to protect him, that he was actually integral in his father's murder and that he was working with a secret, maybe government organization that essentially was doing the same thing that the crack epidemic did in our real lives. But, you know, with the offset of superpowers being added to that. So... Okay, so with with Jefferson and Jennifer, he's coming at it from the parent point of view of I was trying to protect you. This was the best way to keep you safe. And he doesn't see a correlation between that and Gamby until Neil neo up points it out. Like this is how Jennifer sees it too. But you know, they didn't go too deep into that. We're not going to get forgiveness in just an episode. It's going to be a slow come. So that's fine. We're also, we got, well, not much else, it was mostly like Jennifer feelings. And just like, oh, her whole speech to Lynn. So her and Lynn have a whole moment in the kitchen where she's still throwing attitude because she's feeling some type of way about having these abilities. And she kind of breaks down to her mom that what's really scaring her about everything is that she doesn't know what this is gonna mean for her future. And in one of the things she, she's crying about to her mother, she's like, um, so you know, Will I be able to have kids and, and what does this mean? And like, what, what? You're 16. Why are you worried about having kids? And if you were worried about having kids, the fact that you are existing and your dad's a super, wouldn't that mean that you can have kids? Just more questions, more questions. Outside of that though, in the midst of her breakdown to Lynn, she dropped some pretty big superhero names on the show. She was like, oh, are you, are you coming here? When well, she's talking to her mom. She's like, are you coming here to tell me you're Vixen? And she's like, yeah, yes, I am. Because Lynn is awesome now. Lynn's awesome now. I've turned the page. She's no longer like doing this. You can't do anything business. Now she's like, forced, unfortunately, forcefully on board for Team Family Lightning. But Vixen got dropped. Vixen exists in the Arrowverse. She was introduced in the Green Arrow. She made some appearances on other shows. She did the crossover event, I want to say, with Barry. Like, I think Flash is aware of her, too. We might have seen her. She's definitely been mentioned on Legends. But she's she's definitely part of the Arrowverse. And then they also dropped Supergirl, who's technically not a part of the Arrowverse. Now kind of in like an alternate Earth type of way she is. But how do they know who Supergirl is? Most people on, like, the Arrowverse Earth, so Barry's Earth, Oliver's Earth, they have heard of the name supergirl but they don't really know who she is but it seems like black lightning's earth or whatever whatever dimension this is is fully aware of supergirl so uh, was that just a nice shout out for us fans like hey crossover potential still on the horizon guys don't give it up or was it just like names they threw in there because this was a pilot season and they were like well we just want to Show out you know, our love to the other DC TV shows that we're enjoying that you know have these characters. I'm hoping for the latter. I'm hoping, or no, I'm sorry, the former. I'm hoping that it's the former and we're gonna get a superhero crossover sooner rather than later with these amazing heroes because it would just be awesome. And also, I would love to see a uh, Martian Manhunter team up with Jefferson Pierce just to see what that conversation would be like. It'd be very interesting to see how that breaks down. That and like an Anissa and Sarah show off, it'd be awesome, is what I'm saying. It'd be, it'd be wonderful, they should get on this right now. But uh, outside of that, not much else kinda happened on Black Lightning. It was basically like a catch-all to Jennifer discovering she had her powers in the previous episode. Uh, a little more action on what's happening with the green light storyline that we're getting. And just more like family relation drama, like Jefferson and Gamby and Jeff- Jefferson and Jennifer and Jennifer and everybody else. So I'm interested, I'm, I'll am I'm. be excited when Tobias comes back. Hopefully we get him back at some point. I'm interested to see what they're doing with Lala. We didn't get any Lala this episode either. I have, I have questions for Lala. I want some answers. So hopefully we get some more information sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it for Black Lightning. So I'll be moving on to The Magicians right after this. okay so moving on to the magicians magicians this week was interesting we kind of got like a what if things happened in a different way type of episode they have tapped into the alternate reality versions before of themselves i don't know but definitely of alice we got to see a, a different version of alice in another attempt to like get rid of what did they call him i can't even remember now mothman I know what? I don't even remember. The shadow man? What's his name? Clearly wasn't important. I don't remember. The guy with moths for face. So in another attempt to try and uh, stop him, uh, there was a, a timeline where the only one that survived was Alice. And she was not doing well. She was trying to get Quentin back. and it, uh, Poor Alice. She never has like a storyline where she's like, and yes, and I'm awesome, and I'm fantastic. It's usually like undercut with the fact that she's a cold-blooded murderer or she dies or murderer so this girl can't win for losing at all like at all but we got an alternative episode my biggest takeaways from it okay feel free to judge I completely understand some people love shipping some people hate it with the passion of a thousand sons I love shipping as you probably can tell from the previous recaps in which I recap romantic sitcoms a lot, I loved the Penny-Julia pairing. So they put out there that in this alternate version of events, uh, Penny and Julia actually got together and fell in love and Penny was like, we are soulmates type of love. Also this Penny, not as much of a jerk, which is cool. Granted, we didn't see him uh, really interacting with a whole bunch of people and we really didn't get a lot of backstory as to what exactly occurred between between them or what might have, you know, had him change his attitude on certain things. His hair was different. So that's something that also stuck out. He wasn't in his, you know, usual faux hawk. It was like just regularly on his head. So that was something that was interesting. Um, but he also just seemed like quiet and calm. And I think, probably a huge part of that was the fact that the love of his life uh, that he thought was dead is now like walking around. There's a thing. Not only is she walking around, but she's got like goddess powers that might feed into it. But I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed romantic, calm Penny. And the fact that he's in love with Julia, I didn't know that that was a pairing I was going to really like, but I kind of really like it. He, he definitely is coming across as somebody who's not going to be a huge judgy type. He's not going to be like, you're doing this wrong and I know better and you need to stop. It's more like he respects her and he, if anything, is going to take his cues from her. And I love the fact that he was like, I'm coming with you. There's literally nothing here for me. I'm going to go ahead and go into this alternate version of my own reality because who knows, things might pop off between us anyway, because he's got them puppy dog eyes for her right now. So I am, uh, I'm definitely on board this ship. I am currently uh, judging the shuffleboard competition on this ship, just so you know, I'm down with it. I'm interested to see where this goes though. As we all know, the Penny from Julia's timeline, is it a timeline? Reality? Whatever, that Penny is stuck in the library and he was in a heavy, are they, aren't they relationship with Katie. And every time those two try to get together, something pulls them apart inevitably. The whole reason he's a librarian right now is because of that relationship so i mentioned to see if this penny comes in are they gonna bring back katie and what is she gonna feel or how is she gonna feel about the julia penny thing happening will that matter is it is it going to happen it's magicians they like to go there with the drama so at some point it probably is gonna matter but who knows? Who knows? The other people that came with them are the marina from that timeline. So the marina from Julia's timeline, she killed accidentally, maybe not accidentally, maybe on purpose. Who knows? But that, that happened for her too. Um, and she's going to be in, walking around. She, The marina in Julia's reality was responsible for Katie's mother's murder. So it'll be interesting to see if Katie c- does come into the picture and sees these people how she's going to react to all of that because that's going to be a whole lot at one time also josh apparently is a werewolf i do not remember when josh was a werewolf or when that was established but apparently it was in like a previous episode and apparently it was a thing was it cured or, or is the fact that there's no magic the reason why he hasn't had to change or anything or was it just the josh and that alternate reality that was i don't I don't know. I was really confused by the Josh storyline honestly with the, with the Dick Josh versus I guess the nice Josh like they're all dicks. I don't under I don't get it. That happened as a thing. Uh, we also got a warning. So the big bad in this episode, the the moth face man that they were all fighting against in this reality actually turned out to be Quentin. Instead of, oh, I want to say Martin, want to say Martin was the the kid turned adult who was the original monster for all of this, and said it's cute. And it turns out that Alice was successful in bringing Quentin back from the dead, but he came back without his shade. And we all know shade is what gives you like empathy to people and like feelings and morality. And without it, you're just like a murdering machine. It happened to Julia, it's now happening to Quentin. And for some reason, even though Julia has technically limitless power she didn't think about sharing her shade with him until the very end of the episode because otherwise how is it going to get paid off she ends up giving her shade to Quentin in a very Romeo and Juliet style of a confession he tells her why he turned into the mothman that was killing everybody and that was basically because he got a warning from Julia uh, the Julia of his reality there's a lot of back and forth of that but apparently that Julia uh managed to figure out how to get everything back in order, like get magic back. She had to open a door to do so. But in opening that door, an even greater evil kind of came through. I think this was a vision. I don't think it actually occurred, but it was enough to scare him and enough to make him go down this crazy road that he went down. So and then he murders himself, kills himself. He managed to kill Alice in the process anyway when he had no shade. So now that he sees that he killed her and now he has shade, it's a whole thing and he dies next to her. So Alice and Q's shippers got a little something, a terrible something. This show is full of backhanded compliments. So that was the whole Julia thing. It was a lot of, we got some reveals, we got some more information, but not a whole lot of information, which is true to magician form. Another takeaway for me was the fact that Elliot and Margot were trapped in a, uh, like a ghost circuit type of deal where they were reliving their deaths over and over again. (coughs) They're paired up just like they are in every other reality. They were trying to figure a way to stop Quentin and he brutally murdered them in the process. And that's how that worked out. It's still nice to get our dose of like the old school, Margo and Elliot of them just being condescending bitches, trying to run a school, but also being really good at using magic. Clearly they weren't great enough to survive Quentin killing them, but we got a nice little dose of it. So that was cool. But otherwise that, that was it. That was it. We got an alternate version of magicians. Uh, they still are trying to tie this all into their current quest and where that's gonna go we randomly got a Josh and some weird warning about doors opening and even crazier things happening. Stay tuned for the next episode, I guess. Like, that, that was pretty much it. It was enjoyable. Uh, I feel like we're, I, it, even though I got some, some great chips out of it, I did feel like it was a treading water episode. We got some information, but not a whole lot. So we're going to get another episode. Hopefully it's great as well. And then right after this, we'll be moving into the Santa Clarita Diet, which is a show that is streaming on Netflix. It came out on Friday. I'll get more into that right after this. All right, moving right into the Santa Clarita Diet. So if you guys have caught this show on Netflix, fantastic. If you haven't, here's a quick recap. Santa Clarita Diet is a Drew Barrymore helmed and led TV series. And it's wonderful. It's about this like suburban couple. They are in everything together. They're a huge team. It's Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore as husband and wife. They're also realtors. So they work together, and a crazy thing happens to her one day. She like gets really sick one day, throws up, throws up like this red ball, and then dies. And then comes back to life and now has a hunger for human flesh. So she essentially becomes a zombie. And the whole first season is about her family coping with her new change, her coping with her new change, and what this exactly means for them moving forward. Like, what does this change? What are things that we can cope with? It is campy. And hilarious, and just my yoga. It's my yoga. This type of show, Santa korea Diet, I'm gonna say it. I'm a buff. I'm into the full house situation. I'm so, I support it. All of that. uh, Like these easy to digest, not heavy (laughs) thinking properties. They're just there for a good time, for you to have a good time. Right up my alley. And they really relax me. These are the types of shows where, like, if I need to unwind from a a crazy day or whatever, I can put this on and it's gonna gonna be zen, I'm gonna get some laughs, I'm gonna smile and shake my head at certain things because of, of, of the camp and the cheese, but I love camp and cheese, so it works out well. So season two released this Friday and it's pretty much so far most the same as season one. I'm nearly done, I've got two more episodes to go. Uh, we're, we're getting some more backstory. We're getting like reasons as to why this is happening in the first place with this show. We're getting a little bit more on what's going on with her daughter and what's happening with that and what's happening with them as a couple with Drew Barrymore and Timmy, Timothy Oliphant's characters and what that means for them. And like I said, it's easy to digest. There's not a whole lot of twists and side plot and, and reveals on this thing, which is fine because I just like the laughs and I just enjoy watching Drew Barrymore I, every time I see her in a new project, especially if it's a comedic project, I forget how much I loved her and her other comedic projects. I loved her in Wedding Singer. The Charlie's Angels reboots, loved them. I love it when she gets to be super silly and just have fun with whatever she's doing. She's a joy to watch, she's fantastic. And that's that's pretty much Santa Clara Diet in a nutshell. <laughs> there's zombies, there's family time kind of tread on like romantic drama, sometimes with their daughter and uh, the boy next door. And then sometimes between the couple themselves, like what they're doing to get back to each other. Uh, as somebody who's married, it's, it is refreshing to see another married couple on TV and not have it be about them, you know, trying to deal with their divorce or, you know, trying to figure out why the romance has fizzled out. Like it's not, it's not that. They are very much in a functional, I wouldn't necessarily say healthy, but you know, very supportive relationship and it's, it's refreshing to know that he will help her hide these bodies that she has eaten so you know love that's fantastic so if you're down for that if you're down for like an easy watch not heavy thinking just to laugh out loud at some moments and and it's really short too it's only they're only 30 minute episodes and there's a whole 10 for season 2 I want to say there's probably 10 for season 1 as well it'll go super super quick but definitely check it out. It's been the highlight so far of this weekend for me, and yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. I haven't been really been doing too much else. I have been busy adulting, you know, doing things for my regular everyday life. I'm still reading the same books because, as I announced in my last podcast, uh, manga runs long, runs long. So I'm still reading the same ones: Skip Beat and uh, the crazy one with time traveling puddles. River something. I have a very short memory as you can tell, but so those things are happening. I haven't caught a whole bunch of new dramas at all. Uh, I'm still watching one that's currently still airing in Taiwan right now, an idol drama that's still airing. It was the one where it's an it's a, a lady who directs commercials and she's got this relationship that starts out as a friendship with this younger man who's like 20, she's in her 30s and For 12 episodes, they have kept it at a friendship. For 12 episodes, both of these main characters have fallen in love with other people and had whole relationships and everything. We are 12 episodes in. Uh, Well, it is a Asian drama. So Asian dramas can run anywhere from 15 to like 130 episodes. So I'm hoping it's not gonna be the latter and the more the former, but if it is gonna be the former where it's around 12 to 15 episodes, We're kind of awful close, awful close. So hopefully it does something. It's starting to pick up right now, which leads me to believe that this might be like a 20 something episode show. We'll see, we'll see where that goes. But uh, other than that, that's pretty much it. I'm also trying to get ready for Universal Fan Con. Universal Fan Con is mere weeks away, ladies and gentlemen, for germs and everybody in between. Right now, I am looking at uh, weekend bags and uh, hard sided luggage, just so you know where I'm at in my travel plans for Universal PanCon. I've already booked my stay, I've got my hotel already set to go. I did make the rookie mistake of uh, trying to check in the day of the con and not the day before. So, lesson learned. I'm going to figure it out. It's going to work out. Um, But yeah, I've got my tickets. Uh, I've also have a screening set up for, to watch the Avengers Infinity, uh, the night before that Thursday with the hubs. So we'll see how that goes. I know that, uh, Universal Fan Con is also doing their own in-house screening of it, but I think it's also on that Thursday. So I will see, I'm, I'm going to see how I can swing that. I would love to also watch it with my, my fellow fan boys and girls and everyone in between just to get that full fan experience, but yeah, like I said, we'll see. We'll see how everything goes, but I'm super excited for Universal Fan Con. Confessions on all things right now. I have been to a con in a long time, a long time. I grew up in San Diego, California. I remember the early days of San Diego Comic Con when it was literally tables of comics. Like, and maybe some art, but mostly tables of rows and rows and rows of comics for you to check out. Maybe some uh, figurines. You might get some figures. Nothing to what the levels that it is today with, like, the commercial production that comes into it, the studio input as well. I haven't been to the huge version of San Diego Comic-Con at all, even when I lived in San Diego, mostly because it was a circus. I am not a fan of standing in lines. If I can avoid standing in a line, I'm in. I also don't think it's the greatest organized event. It's huge, it's huge. And just talking to people who gone or who go every year, they have to set like, like, it's, like it's a battle. They have to have strategies in place. They gotta meet up with certain people. It's like you have to ally yourself. I'm not down with all of that. Universal Fan Con is different for me because A, it's the first Fan Con of its kind. You know, they're talking about inclusion and diversity and I'm down with that. But also it is the first Fan Con of its kind. It's the first one they've ever done. Turnout is still going to be amazing, but I don't think it's going to be enough to overwhelm me. So there's that. My comfortability in going to Universal FanCon is definitely a lot higher than going to San Diego Comic Con. So, we'll see. We'll see how all that turns out. Or if I'm going to have these same sentiments after I come back from Universal Fancon. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what is on my plate and what I'm most excited about right now. Are, are any of you going to Universal Fancon? Let me know. Hit me up with that hashtag. I'm trying to push, which is hashtag CGF recaps. Stands for Curvy Geeky Fan Girl recaps, shortened because who has time to spell all those letters? No one does. No one does. Hashtag CGF Nope, already wrong. Hashtag CGF (laughs) recaps. There we go. And let me know what you thought of the shows I talked about. If you're going to Universal FanCon, I might see you there. I would love to meet up. And yeah, and if there's any shows I should be checking out or any books I should be checking out. Ready Player One is about to hit the streets. It's got a lot of mixed reviews right now. A lot of people feeling some type of ways about certain stuffs. Who knows? Oh, and uh, Steven Spielberg recently dropped his true feelings on what he thinks about Netflix films. So that also occurred. But all of that, all of that, check it out. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up CGF Recaps here. Like I said, I am Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl. You can catch me at CurvyGeekyFangirl.com. I also do collabs with Fanbros.com. I share all of my fandom fashion sense with Fanbros.com and my own website. You can hit me up in the Twitter streets with Fangirl. Fangirl is missing the A and the I because Twitter has character limits. But everywhere else, it is curvy, geeky, fangirl, all spelled out and all together because they don't let you put spaces in in your name for things. But we know what's up. So all of that's happening. Uh, And I guess I will talk to you guys next week. Bye you know, Michael? How you know, Michael?